Praise the Lord. Well, this morning I want to ask you, if you will, to begin with to open your Bibles to the book of Psalms, chapter number 8. Psalm chapter 8, and maybe somebody can get this so Derek can have this when he needs it. Thank you, Jason. We're talking about the will of God for your life. One of the most important questions you'll ever find an answer to is the question of what is the will of God for me? And so last week we began, and it's not possible to go back and just reiterate all of that. It wouldn't, uh, it wouldn't work for us. It was good material, but we, we want to move on. So I would encourage you, if you weren't here or you haven't yet heard last week's message, please listen to it. I'm sharing with you what uh, decades of experience and study uh, uh, along this line, and I can tell you that uh, this is one of the most important messages you can really understand and get in your spirit. Once you're, once you're saved, spirit-filled, this is one of the most important ones. But this morning, I want to begin by reading Psalm chapter 8, and I'm going to read all nine verses, reading from the King James Bible. And uh, you can read along with me, look on the screen, or you can just listen as I read it for you and let the Lord's word speak to you today. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth, who hast set thy glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings hast thou ordained strength because of thine enemies, that thou mightest still the enemy and the avenger. When I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained. What is man that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that thou visitest him? For well, thou hast made him a little lower than the angels. The Hebrew word is Elohim. You could say a little lower than God himself. A little lower than God. And hast crowned him with glory and honor. Thou madest him to have dominion over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, yea, and the beasts of the field, the fowl of the air, and the fish of the sea, and whatsoever passeth through the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. Let's pray. Father, we look to your word and we look to you. Relying upon the Holy Spirit, we have nothing to say that's worthwhile except through and by the power of your word and your spirit. So, Lord, as your messenger today, I am your servant to command. I ask that you would bring forth that which needs to be said, because that's what needs to be heard. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Our God, as you know, is a master architect. He's a master planner and a master creator. When you think about the precision of the universe, the predictability of our solar system and the predictability of the way things work in, in the universe, you know, they, we can tell when the next comet is coming around, you know, Halley's Comet comes around every so many years and they know what year and all of that. There's so many dependable things that uh, are, are out there because there was a planner. The idea that all of this is coincidence, that all of this just 
happened is one of the most ludicrous and foolish of all ideas. And yet, many of those who espouse that kind of a belief think that they're super smart. But in fact, the Bible says they're a fool. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. And so the marvel of all of the created world in which we live, all the seasons as they pass, the physical processes of, of all living things. I mean, just think of your body. As the psalmist says in Psalm 139, 14, we are fearfully and wonderfully made. As you're sitting there, there are thousands and thousands of things happening in your body just on the cellular level. It's amazing. I mean, you think about the chemistry of your blood. You think about all of the things that have to happen for you to be able to get out of the bed and stand upright. To digest the food that you eat. And to uh, see what happens in this world to keep it perpetuated. How that the green trees take in carbon dioxide and through the process of photosynthesis create fresh and new oxygen for us to breathe. It's just, it's just amazing. It's really amazing. And so many things that are absolutely essential for you to live happen without you even thinking about it. You don't even have to try. You can go to sleep and you still keep living. Your heart keeps beating. Your lungs keep functioning. Your blood keeps pumping. All of these things. The tolerances of so many things in creation including even the location of the planet we're on. I mean, if we were a little closer to the sun, we would burn up. If we were a little further away, we would freeze to death. All of these things point to nothing less than a creative genius in the class of his own. A creator, a planner, an architect that leaves nothing to chance. Nothing to chance. And according to Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 3, even now is upholding all these created things with one thing, the word of his power. Now, I give you that little 7th grade science lesson for a reason. Because I want to ask you a very important question this morning. How could anyone who believes the truths that I just shared with you regarding God's creation, not believe that he has a plan for each one of you. How could a God that would do all that he's done to see to it that you got here, knowing you even from your mother's womb, you were planned by God before your parents even thought of you. None of us are an accident of nature or a useless coincidence of circumstance. God knows you. And God has a good plan for your life. Plans that God has, according to Jeremiah 29, 11 in the NIV, says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you. I'm glad that's in there, aren't you? And not to harm you. I mean, that phrase... Eliminate so much religious garbage that somehow or another, you know, some people, bless their heart, they do really think that God could not want you to prosper. That there's some virtue in being 
poor and not having enough and not being able to do anything. And then as if he realized where man's mind would go in uh, accusing God of child abuse, basically, he went on to clarify it further. He said his plans are to prosper us and not to harm us. So God didn't put disease on you. God didn't and don't put uh, and doesn't put sickness on anybody. God is not killing people. God is not requiring you to live less than a prosperous life, less than a healthy life, because somehow that's going to teach you a lesson and make you a better Christian. No, God has plans for you to prosper you and not to harm you. And he goes on to say, because it just keeps getting better, plans to give you hope and a future. So when I look to the future, I have hope. I am not a pessimist. I am an optimist in God. No, I don't have a lot of confidence in the establishments of men. I'm not pleased in many things that are going on in the world around us. But I choose not to spend all day griping about it. I choose not to spend all my time worrying about it. I've learned that in God, I can be kept no matter what's going on in the earth. Why do you think the stories of Daniel and the three Hebrew children are in the Bible? Why do you think all the stories of David when he was running from Saul and when he was in exile uh, waiting on his opportunity to be fulfilled, to reign over Israel. Why do you think those stories are in there? Why do you think the stories of Paul and the shipwrecks and other things that happened, why do you think they're there? So that misery can love company? No, it's to give us hope that because of the purposes of God, He will bring us through anything and everything. He has always brought his people through times of famine and pestilence and war and upheaval and, and persecution and trouble. There is nothing too hard for God. Amen. Hallelujah. I want to preach myself happy. I hope you'll join me. Amen. God has a plan for us. And his plan isn't over because it's 2023, almost 2024. His plan isn't over because we have... AI and we have a worldwide internet and we have all kinds of evil people trying to control every aspect of our lives and all of that mess. And all of that may be so to a degree and it may be out there, yes, but I'm telling you, God is greater. And there's no God like our God. This isn't the time to divorce yourself from your fundamental Bible beliefs. This isn't time to be ashamed of the Lord Jesus Christ as being the way, the truth, and the life. This is not a time to compromise. This is not a time to back off from the truths that we know. This is a time to bear down harder than ever, more than ever, to declare the truth. And that is the will of God for us in a general sense. But I also want you to know that God has a specific will and place for every one of us. We defined will, speaking of the will of God, this way. It is a determination. It's God's determination. It is a choice. It's God's choice. It is specifically a purpose, God's purpose, and also God's decree. That's one side of the coin. Something God's already determined, something God's already chosen, the purpose of God that's been decreed by God, 
And if we are going to walk in his will, we'll have to go that route. Now, if that's the only way you look at it, you might not get the fullness of the joy and blessing you ought to get. Because this is not drudgery. This is not God ordering us around because he somehow gets his jollies from, from being in charge and you're not and reminding you of that. God isn't arrogant. God isn't mean. God isn't cruel. The thief, the devil, comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus came that you might have life and have it more abundantly, John 10, 10. But the other side of the coin about the word will and about the will of God is that it's God's inclination. It's just the way he rolls. I've, I've figured out that if I want to roll smoothly, I better roll with God. Amen? It's God's inclination. It's God's desire. God's desire. And I mentioned this last time, but it's too good not to mention it again. When your desire and God, when you desire what God desires, for the same reason that God desires it, you are invincible. There is nothing, no demon and no big ugly person. That could keep you from the purpose of God if you want what God wants for the same reason that he wants it. God's desires. Remember Jeremiah 29, 11, His desire is to prosper you. His desire is that you not be harmed. His desire is to give you hope in the future. So the word means inclination. It means desire. It means pleasure. The will of God is God's pleasure. Now, if you're wise, you want to bring pleasure to God. If you're a wise person, you're interested in God being pleased. Because not only will He be pleased, but I want to tell you something. You will be pleased. The most miserable people in the world are people outside the will of God. The happiest people in the world are people that are in the will of God, doing the will of God, walking out the will of God. So God has a unique plan for every one of us. And that destiny, as we sometimes call it, is something that we discover in his presence as we seek him. Destiny's not decided. Well, I think I'll be. Well, maybe you will, maybe you won't. But if God's called you, you can be. I don't desire, I mean, I know that I'm an older person, so, you know, there are options that maybe I would have had 40 years ago that are not available to me today. But I can tell you one thing. Walking in the will of God has put me in the best place of my life, and I am not at all sorry for following God. The path of my life has not always been what I would have thought back in the early days. It was not always my plan. But God began to deal with me and God began to show me his plan and when I have stepped into it blessings have come and that's the same for you as a matter of fact I want to read to you a, a verse from the book of Philippians and uh, chapter 2 and verse number 13 and I want to read it to you from the New Living Translation because you see, a lot of people think, well, I know what I want to do. And when I look at the Bible, when I look at Christians, and when I look at church stuff and church people, I don't know if I want to do that. 
And I want to say right off the bat, I can understand that in many cases. Uh, a lot of people's idea of church is boring, sad, um, not, not too happy. Uh, you know, a lot of people's idea of the will of God is this hard way. I'm going to have to be broke. Never going to have anything. I'm going to probably have to go somewhere in the world I don't really want to go. I'm probably going to have to marry somebody ugly. I mean, all kinds of things that people think about when they think about the will of God. But what I want you to know today, and maybe this might be for some the most important part of this whole message, is to understand this principle in Philippians 2 and 13. For God is working in you. Isn't that good to know? God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. I would encourage you to meditate on Philippians 2.13 a little bit this week. Especially if you're having a little problem surrendering to what you believe to be the will of God. We can actually ask God, help me Lord. To be willing. If you will. To be willing. God will help you. In that pursuit. For God is working in you. Giving you the desire. And the power. To do. What pleases him. Now last week we looked at Proverbs 2. 4 through 7. And we realized that. God has laid up what the Bible calls sound wisdom for us, not laid up from us that we would never be able to find it. He's not making it hard, but he lays up things in essence like a parent will do with a small child. There are certain things that they're not ready to handle, and so they, they can't get to it. You put it up, you put it away, you lock it away, whatever. It's not because you're cruel. It's quite the opposite. It's because you love the child. And you know that there will come a time they'll be ready and they'll be prepared. And when they are, you're able to give it to them. That's why we don't give car keys to eight-year-olds. That's why we don't, give, uh, uh, we don't give as a Christmas gift to a five-year-old a, a, a little package neatly wrapped uh, full of, you know, a thousand matches. You know, they're just things that we just have enough sense to know this is not what we do. But there'll come a time... When the 8-year-old becomes an 18-year-old, and you may want to buy him a car and give it to him. There'll come a time later on when maybe, you know, they need to light the grill or something, and they'll do it for you. I mean, you know, things change with maturity, and that's the way it is in the will of God. As you walk in the will of God, as we're ready, the Lord then reveals the next uh, portion of that. Why is it hidden up, laid up or hidden for us? Well, for one thing, one major thing is to keep the devil from ruining it. See, some people have this idea the devil knows everything, almost. It's like, you know, God is here and the devil is just here. There's about a half inch difference between them. And it's kind of a neck and neck, but, you know, we read the Bible so God will win in the end. That is not how this is working at all. As a matter of fact, the devil's already been defeated. 2,000 years ago at the cross, Jesus defeated the devil. 
And he conquered death, hell, and the grave and gave to us the privilege of becoming sons and daughters of the Most High God. Everything changed when Jesus became what we were so that we could be what he is. Thank God he did that. That's what Christmas is about. That's what it's all about, the coming of the Savior. Thank God we celebrate the babe in the manger, and that was a reality. But aren't you glad he didn't stay a baby? Aren't you glad he grew up and did what he was supposed to do? And because he lives, now we get to live. And we have the same righteousness as Jesus. We have the same access to the Father as Jesus. As a matter of fact, according to the book of Hebrew, uh, Ephesians, rather, we are seated with him in the heavenly realms right now. So, so it's wonderful what he did. And, uh, of course, he, he did all of this uh, so that we could walk with God. And so we come into these places um, where you know we've, we're in the will of God, fulfilling the will of God, and the next step then is, is out there somewhere. When we get ready for it, when we're mature, then God reveals it to us. But he's keeping it from the enemy. That's a great part of what that's about. That's one of the reasons you have to pray out the will of God. Because as I've started to say a while ago, the devil does not know everything. The devil is not omniscient. There's only one being that's omniscient, and that's God. So you don't know it all, I don't know it all, our in-laws don't know it all, the professor doesn't know it all, and the devil doesn't know it all. And that's one of the benefits of praying in tongues, because 1 Corinthians 14 says when we do that, we're praying out mysteries. You're praying out the divine secrets of God. That, when you're praying in tongues, I mean, there's various reasons that we would pray in the Spirit. But one of the things that happens when we do pray in tongues, there are certain aspects of it that are specifically for praying those things off the shelf. And we, we pray those things into our lives, into manifestation And we also, at the same time, are edifying ourselves, and we're praying ourselves into that. So we pray the will of God into manifestation, and we pray ourselves into the manifestation of the will of God. And believe me, that's where you want to live, because that's where you find the plans to prosper you and not to harm you. That's when you have the future and the hope that God wants you to have. Amen? Let's go to Romans chapter 8 today. This is a big subject. Um, I don't know how far we'll go in it in this, this time. And I know this is not a traditional uh, Christmas time message. But uh, I think it's very appropriate for us. And I feel led of the Lord to do it or I wouldn't do it. But I think it's very appropriate as we come to the end of an old year, the beginning of a new year. I want to start out in the will of God. How about you? Amen. Amen. Romans chapter 8, if you'll turn there with me, please. And we want to look at verse number 14. Verse number 14. We'll start there. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba. Our closest English word to that is Daddy. Father. The Spirit, the King James says itself, a better translation would be himself. We know the Spirit is not an it. The Spirit is a person. The Spirit himself beareth witness. 
So there's an operation by the Holy Spirit with your own spirit that you are aware of. The Holy Spirit, the Spirit himself, bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Sons of God used in verse 14, children of God used in verse 16. Let me sum this up by saying to you that as a child of God, you have a birthright to be led by the Spirit. Every Christian does. You don't have to go ask 14 people what they think in order to find the will of God. I am thankful for confirmations that come many times very supernaturally. Especially about areas of calling and ministry and various important things. And we're glad when that happens. But I can tell you that you don't need somebody to prophesy to you or over you. You don't need four people to tell you. You don't need to go to 12 different churches hoping that every time you go, somebody in that church is going to tell you the same thing. You, you don't have to do all that. You really don't because the Holy Spirit will tell you. And so many times, uh, the reason I use the word confirmation is because when, when it comes as a confirmation, it's just confirming what the Holy Ghost has already told me. Amen. The Bible does not say as many as are led by prophets, they're the sons of God. It says as many as are led by the Holy Spirit. Do we believe in prophets and prophecies? Of course we do. But every believer has a birthright to be led by the Spirit. Now let's go back to John chapter 16. John chapter 16, Jesus is getting ready to go to the cross. He's making some of these very important uh, uh, statements before he does. And he's talking about, and we'll begin to read with John uh, 16, 13. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. Howbeit, when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you. Don't you like that? He will guide you. Into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself or of his own initiative. But whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak. So what does the Holy Spirit hear? Is he going to tell you what your neighbor said? What your co-worker said behind your back because you made him mad about something? No, that's not what this is talking about. It's not gossip. The Holy Spirit hears throne room conversations. The Holy Spirit hears from the Father. He hears what the Son, he hears what they're discussing. He knows what is being said in the heavenly realms. And whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak. And he will show you things to come. He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine and shall show it unto you. All things that the Father hath are mine. Therefore said I that he shall take of mine and shall show it unto you. Now I wanted to read these two passages to reinforce the idea that it is the will of God that every one of his children are led by the Spirit of God. I want to make this statement because I think it's, it's very important for us to know. If you need to know it, God is willing to reveal it to you. If you need to know it, God will reveal it to you. God's wisdom, or let me say it this way, in God's wisdom are the answers to every legitimate question 
that you could ask. Amen. Now I want you to go to James chapter 1. And I think this is probably where we'll quit, but you guys don't have to come up just immediately. I know you're hungry, but just wait a moment. Just wait a moment. I'm, I'm kidding, of course, but, well, they may be hungry. I am. Uh, <laughs> James chapter 1. Uh, let's get spiritual here now. James writes, by the inspiration of the Spirit to us, and says, if any of you. So there's nobody left out here. If any of you lack wisdom. Remember Proverbs 2? He lays up sound wisdom. Remember that, that, the, whole, the whole theme. The wisdom of God, the will of God, the plan of God, the purpose of God. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. So we have a right to ask for guidance, wisdom, and direction. If you're not uh, proceeding and you're not really, you don't really feel like you're getting the wisdom of God delivered to you, just do an inventory. Are you asking? In your time with God, are you asking Him for wisdom? Because this says, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men. We know that includes the women to all men. Liberally. That means a whole lot. This word liberally here is not a political term. It means abundance. More than enough. God gives wisdom liberally and upbraideth not. That means he's not going to fuss at you because you don't know. He's not going to. Rake you over the coals, as we say, because uh, you, you don't have the answer. As a matter of fact, he's going to liberally give you wisdom and not upbraid you. And it says, and it shall be given him. But, so that conjunction ties verse 5 to verse 6, so we need to keep reading. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. And then this is a very strong statement, verse 7. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. Verse 8, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. So we can see very clearly that God wants you to be sure. God wants you to know. He doesn't want you guessing. He does not want you to be unstable. Now, the New Living Translation reads this way, and I want to read it for you because it's, it's so good. If you need wisdom, if you want to know what God wants you to do, ask Him. Now, I'm going to reread that. I know it's very simple. I'm not trying to insult your intelligence, but I want you to let these things soak in. This is so important because one word from God can change the rest of your life. One directive from God can make you rich. One directive from God can change your marriage or one directive from God can cause you to marry the right person. And believe me, there's nothing worse than being married to the wrong person. I don't know that by experience. But as a pastor, <laughs> as a pastor, I've, I've seen people in much misery. If you need wisdom, if you want to know what God wants you to do, ask Him and He will gladly tell you. He will not resent your asking.
But when you ask him, be sure that you really expect him to answer. For a doubtful mind is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. People like that should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. They can't make up their minds. They waver back and forth in everything they do. We don't want to be like those who can't make up their mind. And if you have problems with indecisiveness, start working on it. Go somewhere and get a menu and make a decision in 30 seconds. And whatever it is, just eat it till you get better at it. They waver back and forth in everything they do. And this brings up something I mentioned last time that I need to mention again today. The will of God, knowing the will of God, finding the will of God for your life is not just in a matter of curiosity. And I asked the question last time, I asked it again today, are you just curious or are you committed to the will of God? Because the thing about it is people that are only curious and they don't make a commitment to do whatever God says and the commitment being made before you know those people usually don't find out too much. You see, what happens, what, what some people would like to happen, I'll put it that way, what some people would like to happen is for God to reveal what it is to them so they can decide if I'm going to do it or not. But you know, God already knows that. And so people that are just curious so they can make their own decision on what they're going to do about what God says, most of those people don't have a clue, as we say. They're unstable. They waver. You may see them this year and they're into this pathway. Next year they're doing something else. They, you know, they're with this person. Then they're with that person. It's just like life is a constant uh, ebb and flow of differences and changes. And it's like they never get anywhere. I mean, there, there are, I'm sure you realize this, but there are tons of people that have been adults now for 10, 15, 20, 30 years, and they still don't know what they want to do. They still don't know what they're going to be when they grow up. <laughs> a lot of truth in that. They, they still don't have a clue, as we say, what they're on the earth for. And many times, this is at the root of their problem. They, they're not surrendered. They hedge. Well, Lord, I'll do it if it's easy. I'll do it if it doesn't cost me anything. I'll do it, you know, if it's popular. I'll do it if I don't get any flack from anybody or any persecution. That's not how the will of God works. And that's one reason there's not more people here today because we don't preach that, you know, just, just confess Jesus and we'll give you a social program as a church that'll make you feel good about everything and everybody and free babysitting and free everything and, and uh, you know, you're going to heaven too and it's all over, doesn't make any difference. We can't preach that and preach the truth. You can get to heaven, you can have a blessed family and you can have a great church. But somebody's going to have to obey God. Somebody's going to have to do the will of God. And, and it's not only true of a church, but it's true of a family and it's true of an individual. The, the future that God has planned for you is far greater than you plan for yourself.
I promise you that. I mentioned last week that you know my intention as a young kid was not to be in the ministry. But I look back now and realize that was the hand of God upon my life. And now I would not want to have done any other thing. I'm going to finish my course. I will live long. I will live strong. I will live well. And I'll live till I'm satisfied with long life. And I'll finish my course. That's my confession every day. And it shall be so. In Jesus name. Now you can have the same confidence and assurance. You may not be called to pastor. You may not be called to be an evangelist. You, you know, we think about purpose and plans. We all, so many times, you know, Christians, they, they only think about it in terms of the four walls of a church. But God needs Christian attorneys. God needs Christian doctors. God needs Christian teachers. God needs Christian mechanics. God needs Christian air conditioning and refrigeration people. God needs Christian carpenters and contractors. God needs Christian CEOs. God needs Christian senators and congressmen and, and presidents and, and uh, governors and mayors. So, you know, there's all kinds of things that constitute a profitable and great life. But if you're going to have one of those lives, you'll have to find it and do it in the will of God. As a Christian, that's just how it is. Now, if you want to live like a heathen, or from my part of the world where I came from, we call it heathen. We put R in it. If you want to be a heathen and do it your way, you know, you can try. But if you want peace, you want to prosper, you want hope for your future, you want a blessed life, then find the will of God and do it His way. I'm going to close with one last verse today. Call unto me, Jeremiah 33, 3. Call unto me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Call unto me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. That's the King James. I think it is the NIV that says... Call to me, and I will answer you, and tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. What's the idea? There are things we'll never know until we get in God's presence. They are, from the natural standpoint, unsearchable. They are, from the natural standpoint, not only things we don't know, but things that we cannot know unless we call on God. So what I'd like to encourage you to do the remaining 21 days of this year, I would, the, the three weeks left in this year, I would encourage you to call on God, to spend time in his presence and, and let him take some things down off the shelf and open them for you and show you the next move, the next step. And how to function like he wants you to. I would encourage you to spend time in the presence of the Lord. And he will show you what he wants you to know. In John 10, 27, Jesus said, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Let's make this confession together this morning. Say, I am one of God's sheep. Jesus is 
the good shepherd. I know his voice. And I choose to follow him. Now every head bowed and every eye closed. Decisions of the heart, commitments of the spirit, are not things that are always readily seen. They are private. They are inside. But they're no less important. So with you just there in the presence of God, heads bowed, eyes closed, nobody talking to you, nobody disturbing you, I want you to take an inventory, a quick inventory, and ask yourself this question. Am I willing to do whatever it is God tells me to do? Am I willing to do it from a spiritual standpoint, in my commitment to God in that regard, in my worship life, my prayer life, my allegiance to His Word, my drawing near to Him? Am I willing to do it in my, uh, my soulish life? Am I willing to surrender my will? Am I willing to learn and put my intellect to work to learn about God, to learn the ways of God? And to keep my emotions under control and not live by them but control them? Am I willing to, to uh, submit my body as a living sacrifice? That it's not going to serve the lusts of the flesh. It's not going to yield to uncleanness or perversion of any form. Am I going to yield my relationships? Am I going to walk in love? Am I going to be a godly man, a godly husband or a godly wife, a godly parent, grandparent, or child that honors their father and mother? Am I going to do what the Word says do in my relationships? Am I going to do what God says with my money? Am I willing to be a tither, a real tither? 10% of my increase. Am I willing to be a giver over and above? Am I willing to be generous? Am I willing to trust God with my material possessions there are places we'll never reach without that kind of a commitment and that's what I'm asking you to make today and if you're struggling with that and I certainly would want you to be honest God knows anyway the truth but I'm going to tell you that even when you leave this place you can still be still be dealing with these issues if you're not ready to make a commitment then you don't you don't have to put anything on. I'm not asking you to respond by even an uplifted hand. I'm just asking for this transaction to happen on the inside. You probably don't realize, I'd say none of us fully comprehend, the things that are good and wonderful that God will release into our lives when we make these kinds of commitments. It's just amazing. How that when we get involved with God's business or we get involved with His will, when we desire the same things He desires for the reasons He desires them, it's amazing how blessed we become. That's one message I wish I had a vocabulary adequate to explain. I wish I could preach that message to the entire world because the whole world's looking for stuff. From the person who is on a garbage dump in a slum in some third world country to the person who lives in a penthouse 
with chauffeurs and maids and cooks and, and more money than they know what to do with. Everybody's looking for something. Can I encourage you as a son or daughter of God, look for the will of God. When you find the will of God, you found your future. You found your hope. You found your prosperity. You found the good and perfect will of God. Father, help us make these commitments properly as we should. In Jesus' name, amen. Anoint.